Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Andrea Heng sitting in for Michelle Martin on Your Money. A global rebound in stocks moderated in Asia today as investors weighed uncertainty over the Omicron virus strain's economic impact and a foggy outlook for US fiscal stimulus. Equities were steady in Japan and Australia and made modest gains in South Korea. A gauge of Chinese shares traded in the US surged about 7%. So it looks like that Christmas rally has come after all. US markets gained overnight after the biggest three-day drop since September amid appetite for risk assets. What were the upsides? The tech-heavy Nasdaq 100 rose more than 2% with chipmaker Micron Technology jumping on an upbeat forecast. Nike also rallied as revenue in North America increased, offsetting a drop in China. We discussed this yesterday. Pfizer and Merck closed off session lows amid reports that the US FDA was set to authorise their pills to treat coronavirus as soon as this week. And that final balloon that lifted the markets, President Joe Biden says he still has a chance to strike a deal with Democratic Senator Joe Manchin to get his roughly $2 trillion economic plan through Congress, $2 trillion US dollars, that is. But before we get into the meat of today's segment, I wanted to talk about this piece of news I found this morning. The first text message ever sent reading, Merry Christmas, was sold for 107,000 euros as a non-fungible token at a Paris auction house. The text, which was sent on December 3rd, 1992, was put up for auction by the British telecoms company Vodafone. Uh, Vodafone engineer Neil Papworth sent the SMS from his computer to a manager in the United Kingdom who received it on his 2-kilogram Orbitel telephone. Remember those days? That's similar to a desk phone but cordless with a handle. Good morning, Ryan Huang. And what was the first SMS you ever sent? I think it has something to do with... I'm coming home for dinner. <laughs> How about you? Do you remember your first I SMS? I probably did the same thing. My mom was probably checking in on me. What time are you coming home? So I had to put down some digits and make sure I meet the deadline. <laughs> so we've got a lot for you to digest this morning. Uh, of course, helping us through is Ryan Huang. First, some corporate news. On Novavax, the World Health Organization approved the COVID vaccine made by this US pharma giant for emergency use after the European Union medicines regulator gave it the green light on Monday. It's made from a more conventional technology than others that were already approved. And this has led to the EMA to express hope that this will help persuade those hesitant about vaccination to come forward. Novavax is finally ready to submit its application for emergency use authorization in the US and could do so as early as this week, according to its CEO, Stanley Erk. But despite this relatively good news, its stock is falling. It's down 5.4% on the close. Why is that, Ryan? Yeah, so I think it is a factor of buy on the rumour and sell on the fact, right? So it's been something that's been in the works for quite some time. And like you pointed out, it got approval. In fact, it's the 10th vaccine to be issued the EUL licence by the UN Health Agency. So this will now give people more options and also get more countries access to the vaccine. So the vaccination rates are potentially going to go higher. And that's going to be good news for the economic side of things with more people going back to um, their usual activities. So all in, down 5.4%. We'll see long-term, maybe this could be something that will be um, that will play out for its share price. So it could still be early days. 
It could indeed. Another pharma company that had its shares closed down nearly 3% is Moderna. The CEO, Stefan Bancel, announced that the company could develop a booster to protect the against the Omicron coronavirus variant. And this is despite health experts saying there isn't really a need for one. He said only a few adjustments are needed and that the firm does not expect any problems. Perhaps being boosters not being mandatory yet is not translating to market or consumer confidence. What's up? Yeah, so with Moderna, it is kind of playing down the fact that you might not actually need it so urgently. And it's also saying, no, it's going to be dependent on the data they are still studying. And I'm looking at some reports saying it could actually see some of the authorities in some countries requiring further studies. And if that is the case, it could mean it could add at least three months to any development plans. So there is a lot of wait and see here in terms of um, the progress on the next uh, vaccine that they're trying to work on. So it does put the brakes on expectations or optimism around when we might see this vaccine. So it does add to the potential delays and the production um, lag as well. So something they are uh, mindful of and maybe something that investors are also mindful of that a lot of the good news has been priced in much earlier. So with this weighing on their minds, maybe the share prices are reflecting that. Yeah, I think some of these kinds of delays are actually very necessary, especially you want to be very careful about uh, the data, the, um, you know, what efficacy is going to produce uh, when it comes to these vaccinations. We have to be extra, extra careful. So I suppose Moderna is being a little bit more cautious, a little bit more conservative when it comes to uh, talking about boosters, uh, even if, um, you know, they're going to proceed with filing for uh, expectations and for authorization. Uh, in the coming months. Uh, moving away from Big Pharma, we'll talk about something that's sort of related to Christmas and close to my heart, mm. and that's online shopping. Next year is expected to be the first trillion dollar year for US com- e-commerce alone. Adobe and Analytics predicts that the online shopping growth witnessed this year jumped 42% and it will only grow further as consumer habits shift online here in Southeast Asia, e-commerce in ASEAN member states is projected to achieve a double-digit average rate of growth. So it's no wonder that UPS, United Parcel Service, has agreed to buy 19 Boeing freighter jets as soaring e-commerce and snarled shipping lines lead to a boom in air cargo demand. You can't really... You can't really fly a fridge over, can you? The package delivery giant plans to accept the 767 freighters between 2023 and 2025. Can you tell us more about this deal, Ryan? All right, I'm looking at a reaction to the news and you've got Boeing shares up 5.9% in the US and you've got UPS shares gaining 2.3%. So investors liking the news. And a couple of key points you highlighted uh, is worth noting it's not just the rise of e-commerce fueling the engines of the UPS growth um, engine. So you've also got the shipping delays, the disruptions, that supply chain disruptions leading to more people turning to air transport rather than the usual sea freight. So that is also fueling the growth for UPS. So you are looking at UPS making a purchase of $1.5 billion, at least that is the listing price for these uh, aeroplanes. And that adds to the another breaking record-breaking year for Boeing, which has seen 
demand for his planes bouncing back after a tougher um, 2019. So you are looking at Boeing saying they have, including the latest orders, uh, 80 firm orders for new white-body freighters and more than 80 orders for Boeing converted freighters. So 2021 air cargo demand has really surged and helped its um, prospects. So something they are looking forward to increasing in the years ahead as we expect e-commerce to continue growing and supply chain issues to possibly still be around for quite some time. What a way to bounce back for Boeing. And here's another Christmas present, this time for tech giant Apple. Apple's long-term credit rating was upgraded to AAA by Moody's Investor Service. That puts the iPhone maker in an exclusive club with Microsoft and Johnson & Johnson as the only US corporations in the S&P 500 with the highest possible credit score. What does this mean for A, the company, we're going triple A, right? So what does this mean for A, the company, B, its investors, and C, Apple consumers? Now you can spell Apple with three A's. That's <laughs> right, Apple. <laughs> so that is pretty much how good its fundamentals are. It's getting another upgrade on its already strong report card. So as an investor, it just gives you more confidence on the long-term fundamentals and prospects of this company. And if you look at the fundamentals, um, it is really sitting on quite a huge pile of cash. And that's one of the reasons. Its strong liquidity position is one of the reasons why it got an upgrade from Moody's. Um, it's also looking at its um, iPhone 13 as one of the, um, or rather its iPhones coming up as one of the mm. next growth engines because it's going to possibly be um, a, a synergy with the upcoming technologies, mixed reality headsets, and then for the wider ecosystems where all these devices will come into play to drive things like digital subscriptions of all their services. And then you have things like... Apple Music, Apple iTunes, Apple TV, and all these extra little services could be recurring van revenue for it down the road. So it is, of course, um, likely to build on its strong position to grow even bigger. And it's already in the $3 trillion club, or at least near it. That's so right. that is something to um, keep in mind on where it's going to be in 2022. I'm actually considering installing Apple HomePod in my next house. Have you tried one of those techie things where, you know, you turn on your music and it's flooding the entire house? And so you, you can, can turn talk on, series, eh? Yeah, and you can turn on your air conditioning before you even get home remotely on the app. And it's just it just sounds so delicious, deliciously tech uh, savvy. And I'm just thinking of that. Do you want that? Would you want that in your house? I actually have a Google Assistant already, Oops. so to some extent, <laughs> it is um, making me lazier. I don't have to reach for the controls yeah. for the TV. Uh, but it is very convenient because it's just integrated everything together, and I think that's going to be the future. Yeah, although I don't necessarily, you know, I'm already talking for a living. We all talk for a living, and I don't necessarily want to talk to Siri all the time at home too. <laughs> I'm sure they will come up with some mind control uh, feature down the road. Oh dear, okay. Or mind reading <laughs> short feature. Of, short of inserting chips into your wrist like all those movies do. Uh, let's take a look at the currency markets. Uh, first up, the US dollar. Risk appetite is helping to keep the currency lofty, and this is even as former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey declared that Bitcoin would replace the US dollar. Uh, that's a very ambitious comment. But how is the greenback faring so far this week? 
Yeah, so you've got the greenback um, just riding that return of risk appetite. And let's take a quick look at where we are for the dollar index. It's now trading at 96.44. And for the week, actually, it's rather flat. And for the day that's much past, it's also rather flat, giving back some of its earlier gains. Now it's down 0.05%. And that's also reflected in the market action as we see some of the momentum from the rally overnight starting to fizzle out. We'll get into those numbers later. But I think it's quite reflective of how markets have been in the past year. Just so volatile. And in this week alone, we've seen markets go up and down around headlines, around Omicron, around what's happening with um, Joe Biden's stimulus plan. And he's been talking about new measures to tackle COVID-19 overnight. That, to some extent, helped markets see some confidence returning. And that was around how he's going to be giving free COVID-19 testing kits, 500 million to um, households in the US, Mm. and also stepping up support for hospitals under strain. So that was one of the reasons why we saw the Wall Street numbers go up and snap a three-day losing streak. Yes, actually, uh, affordable testing seems to be one of the hurdles that's facing the US in terms of their COVID-19 strategy, especially uh, in the face of the Omicron variant. On to this next currency that has been the subject of contention over the last few weeks, even months, I would say. The Turkish lira. The currency has charged back from record lows at breakneck speed, seeing wild swings after President Recep Tayyip Erdogan revealed a plan to support the battered currency and protect local deposits against market moves. What can you tell us? Yeah, this is a a currency that's been under pressure for quite some time. And if we look at the latest headline, it managed to bounce back from those record lows. So this is around how its president has been trying to cut rates despite high inflation. And that by conventional theories is not a good thing. So if you look at where we had the lira recently, it hit a high of 11.09 versus the dollar, uh, and then it later had some gains to trade at 12.8373. This is a remarkable turnaround from the record low of more than 18 versus the greenback on Monday. And what the president said gave some confidence to the lira, and this was around speech where he outlined steps to guarantee savings in the Turkish currency, essentially saying the government will step in and make up losses to lira deposits if their value against hard currencies falls below the falls beyond the interest rate set by banks. So pretty much guaranteeing any protection from losses. So some critics have been calling it an interest rate hike without the benefits. So he is still being criticized for this. But for now, it seems like the currency is getting some uh, relief and that is rallying for Turkish lira. Very interesting story. They will keep an eye on that as uh, the Turkish lira controversy uh, develops over the next few days and weeks. 
And not so good news for this Asian currency. The Indian rupee is set to end a tumultuous year as Asia's worst performing emerging market currency with foreign funds fleeing the nation's stocks. The currency declined 1.9% this quarter as global funds pulled $4.2 billion of capital out of the country's stock market, the most among regional markets where data is available. What do we know, Ryan? Yeah, if you look at where India is right now, it's in a position like many other Asian countries where it is seeing the recovery picture still on the fence, but it has to contend with a couple of headwinds. You've got the central bank in the US tightening. So that kind of puts it under pressure to also toe the same line, but it does have to keep its rates low for its economy to allow borrowing costs to stay low for Mm. that to recover. But that's not great news for its currency. So it's in this bit of a dilemma. And if you look at how funds have been doing, like you pointed out, they have been exiting some of their stocks, leaving the country. So that puts more pressure on the currency. And that together is one to watch because it's a bit of a tightrope walking for the Reserve Bank of India because weaker currency... Is good news for exporters. It does make the exports cheaper, so mm-hmm. that's good for them. But at the same time, it poses a risk of inf- uh, imported inflation where the cost of goods, the cost of materials that they bring in is going to be more expensive and make it more difficult for day-to-day life and some of the businesses. So it has to really find this uh, sp- uh, sweet spot for it to operate. And with all the headwinds around Omicron, the uncertainty, it does have a lot of um, gloomy or uncertain clouds hanging over its next uh, decision. Yeah, and uh, on top of all that, we've got uh, inflation globally threatening uh, the markets and obviously this is going to be extra, extra pressure uh, on the on the Indian rupee as well. Let's turn to Asian trade. Uh, very quickly, Ryan, what are investors looking at? Okay, so looking at where we are for Asia, it's pretty much a muted morning. You've got Korean markets leading the way. It's up 0.5%. The Nikkei 5 is just slightly higher by 0.1%, giving back some of its earlier gains. And you've got the Australian markets underwater by 0.2%. So a rather mixed picture, giving back some of the gains from, um, from Tuesday's rebound not really taking a cue from Wall Street. So a bit of momentum being lost. Some of the steam is um, just fizzling out from the global rally. So that could be a sign of caution coming back into markets. So we'll see how this unfolds as we see Asian markets trade. And let's round off at home. Uh, Let's look at the STI. What are the highlights? Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Okay, let's check in on the STI. And you have... Pretty much the same story that's panning out in Asia. Just a slight increase for the STI. And this follows a session yesterday where it was slightly higher by 0.4%. And yesterday, the top gainer was Monday's top loser, Dairy Farm International. It was in the green by 3.8%. And at the bottom of the table was Thai Beverage. So that's the picture we have right now where we've got STI just up by 0.3% at 3,094. And a bit more green right now. Right at the top, we've got Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding up by 1.5%, 
Taibev reversing yesterday's losses is now up by 1.5%. All three banks in the green by between 0.5 and 0.7%. And then let's take a look at the bottom. Wilmer International down by 1%. Interestingly, SIA is down 0.4%. So maybe some of the headwinds from the news of Thailand just uh, suspending its um, restrictions or suspending its entry for foreigners because of Omicron concerns could be posing some jitters for investors in travel-related stocks. Ryan Huang there giving us the Christmas colours of the STI and the broader Asian market. Thank you very much. Still to come, what are the options for accredited investors and who can they turn to for advice with approaching the notorious volatility in the crypto markets? Jeff Ira, Chief Executive Officer, and Jordan Ko, Chief Strategy Officer of Singapore-based startups Trade Together, discuss such options with Michelle Martin. That conversation coming to you just past 10am. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.